Well, last week, Sherry was giving me a hard time for not cleaning out the pulpit, and I'm up here looking. We've got some glow sticks up here, and and it's kind of funny that I found this. I kind of did this a long time ago. Hundred, That was the 100th message I delivered, and we didn't light it, and I thought I'd save it because I'm optimistic we might make it to do a birthday someday. I don't know. Hundreds. <laughs> but I was looking at it as I was kind of updating some things, and this morning is my 230th message from this pulpit. 230. Now, Sherry's not surprised that I can talk that long and that much, but I am. And you know what's funny is it all started with a donut, right? I don't need to tell you the whole story again, but it was one of our summer donut ministries where through a whole series of events that I would not have planned or even asked for, that donut visit led to where I am today, including my marriage. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm happy too. So it's wonderful. And I was kind of thinking about that again on, on Friday because my, my Monday through Friday, my, my boss had resigned and Friday was his last day. And, and I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in donuts. I'm not even just regular donuts. I'm bringing Lamar's donuts. I'm bringing the good stuff. And so I brought in some Lamar's donuts. And my boss's boss, she came in and she looked at them and she did like most people do when you're watching them, which is act like they're actually thinking about whether they should or shouldn't. Right, and she was looking at it, and she said, that one is decadent. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's covered in chocolate. They crushed up some M&Ms. I mean, I don't, I've never heard of a donut being decadent, but if there's a decadent donut, it's that donut. And I was thinking about that. Can a donut really be decadent? I'm like, and I started thinking, can church be exciting? You know, in one of the classes I'm in right now, we're talking about worship, and it's, it's completely blowing my mind because they are not going, change the script, change the script, change the order, get all that. You know, there is a little bit of, you know, there should be more movement and errors of mystery. But it also, it's like, it's not bad that there's a structure and order because we are called to be orderly in what we do. And, and so I'm kind of wrestling that with that in the back of my mind of how do we keep the elements, keep them reverent, and keep them fresh, you know? But we should know and we should have a comfort level. In fact, the, the, the professor was saying, you know, the bulletin's really for guests because if, if we didn't have these, would you know what comes next? And I would say... 99% of time, yes. In fact, if anybody gets things out of order, it's usually this guy, right? Um, but the truth is this. Church can be exciting if we make it. And it's about making it participatory. It's about making it engaging. And same with the Bible study. You know, if we just open the book and we say the thing or we answer the questions and all we're really doing is just reading, you know, but I love the conversations we have around the tables. I love the conversations we have on Zoom. We share a little bit of experience. And yeah, there's times when there's an awkward pause because we're not really sure what the answer is or what the right answer is, or we're we're thinking a little bit, but there's something more to what we're getting out of it when we are doing it together. And that's why I'm excited about that leadership conference because Look, you, you can slap a different name on the churches and there are some, some different beliefs and practices, but a lot of the ways, there's one God. And if we truly believe that, if there's one God, one Savior, and we're all brothers and sisters, then, then whether you decide that you're going to wash feet in your service and it has to be the right foot, not the left foot, or you have to come in through the narthex, do you even have a narthex? Do you even know what a narthex is? It's probably a Presbyterian thing. That's the narthex, by the way, the little foyer. Um, you know... But when it comes down to who it is we're worshiping, why we're here, what there is, what hope we have, it's the same thing. And so I love these opportunities to get together. And when we were doing the fifth Sunday things where all the local churches would do this, it's just a great experience and a great reminder. But there is a new great exodus from church. 
um, and from faith in general, I believe. You know, the, the numbers are, are showing it's shrinking. And it was already on the decline before we had this pandemic, but the numbers are getting smaller and smaller. And there's a, a growing population that falls into these characteristics categories outside of what we know to be obedient living. And these are the, the have-nots, like, right, I, I have not gone to church. I have not read the Bible. I have not done this or done that. I have not prayed. And then there's the nuns, like I, you know, and I don't mean N-U-N, I mean the N-O-N-E-S, the nuns, like, I don't need none of that. And then there's the never-gins. And there was a time in my life when I considered myself a never-gin. Never my again, am I going to put myself in that position. Never again am I going to put my foot in the church. No. Um, and then there's the never wills, right? The never wills. And we're called to seek out the have-nots. I've not done that. I've not had the opportunity. In a lot of ways, our missionaries are the, the have-nots. You know, let's seek out the have-nots. And we're called to be empathetic to the never-agains, right? Church is made up of people. That's the good news and that's the bad news, Right? In a lot of ways, our jobs, a lot of our experiences would be good if it weren't for all the people, right? But church is people, and and we're just real people. We're just real people. And so people hurt, and people disappoint, but people also build up, and people also encourage, and you will find your best friends in like-minded people often. And so we can't give up on uh, or we can't stop being empathetic to the never gins, and, and we can't give up on the never wills, right? We, we, we ask, we encourage, we invite, and we absolutely cannot let anyone be a nun. They can't. We may say that it's God's work to make these things happen, right? God, I, I invited them, you, you know, or you're, you, you need to do something to them to get them in a relationship with you because I, I don't, it's not my job, Right? We know that the Holy Spirit was sent for just such a mission. In fact, Scripture describes it as the helper that Jesus will ask his Father to give us. I'm, I'm going to ask my Father to send a helper to proclaim the good news, to, to, to develop that relationship, to share this nature of God with you. But we, aren't, we, aren't out with, we are not without responsibility in this. In fact, we even talked about this last week. We are front row witnesses, front row participants sometimes you know, in the way God's working in this world. And I found an illustration I believe captures us well. Um, anybody been on a cruise ship before? None? Then this may fall flat, but I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> so not only in the cruise ship, but also in this country about 100 plus years ago when there were, you know, riverboats going up and down, they often had pilots. The pilots would come on board the, the river boats because they knew the stretch of river and they were very familiar with the changing banks and all that and they would guide it through this area of the river and on a modern day cruise ship they have the pilots and they come onto the cruise ship and they bring them into port because they know how and where and, and do this and, and there's a story of, of a pilot who, who comes onto a ship right and he says let me, let me start here he goes it's not sufficient to say that, that we trust Christ for salvation and then to imagine there's nothing for us to do. And here's the example. We consider the role of the pilot as they are brought onto the ship or the boat. The captain and the sailors say, we have all the confidence in you, pilot. You know these waters. You know what needs to be done. We're going to bed. All right? And the captain disappears to his quarters and the, and the crewmen disappear to their quarters. And, and the, the pilot's there and he just knows the way. 
but the work still has to be done. You know, there's, there's sails that, that need to be managed to. The ship has to be put into trim. They need someone to, to you know, move the rudder and, and the ropes have to be ready when, when it's time to, to tie up. And, but they've said, in all honesty, they like, we trust you. We've declared, we have faith on you, Mr. Pilot. We're going downstairs, you know. Let us know when we get there. Now, the pilot needs to have all this stuff done. And, and so he shouts out, what, what are you going to do down there? How are you going to help me get the ship to where we're going? Why are you running away from the work that needs to be done? And one of them answered, because we trust you, right? We trust you. It's an honor that we trust you, Mr. Pilot. You're the pilot. You said you'll bring us safely into port. We trust you. So we're going down to, to take care of, of the things we need to take care of. But, but it may be a stormy night. A strong wind is blowing and it's cold and, 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 and they would rather be down there in their berths, right? But I would say, if you really trusted me, you'd listen to my advice. If you really trusted me, you'd do as I say. Because you don't just trust me to do, you trust me to lead. You know, consider that illustration as I share Jesus' words found in Luke 6.46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Doesn't this sound like what the pilot is asking the crew? Does this just sound like what we're asking of Jesus? Lord, come into my life and lead me in your ways. Deliver me from my affliction, save my soul, and I'll be over here doing my own thing. Let me know when it's done, or I'll call you when I need you, right? But, but perhaps Jesus replies, but what about when I need you? Where will you be found when I need you to do something for your own salvation or for someone else's? You see, it's not just about lordship. Listen to this very personal statement of Jesus found in John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends. You are my friends. But he says, if you do what I command. I don't know about you, but I need a friend like Jesus in my life. Or, and I certainly don't think I could do it better on my own. And, and of course, you probably feel that same way. But we have people in our lives that we say we've been friends with for 40 years, maybe longer. Because we were really close in school. We were best friends. We were inseparable. But the truth is we haven't been that close then. In fact, if it weren't for Facebook, we might not even know what they look like if we ran them into them on the street. So it's a little misleading to say we've been friends for 40 years when we were just saying, I was friends with you 40 years ago. And we have people in our lives we call friends, but they're really just acquaintances. We've, we've met them in person, or maybe we see them periodically to function. But they aren't the person we'd call when we, or could rely on if we had an emergency, right? Our real friends are people we know well and know us well, sometimes better than we know ourselves. We trust them with our fears and our failures, and we share happy moments, and also know that they are a safe outlet to vent to when necessary, we talk to them often, and our friendship is both tested and affirmed regularly. We know that they will support us, and they also hold us accountable when we need to hear the truth. And that is the model of our prayers. And this is the relationship that we are intended to have with our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the way that we are to have a relationship with our faith. We're to be in constant contact with it, knowing we can call on it because it's right there, it's reliable, it's tested, and it's been affirmed. Now, there are things that we carry with us and things that we leave out so we can grab them quickly, right? Our wallet or purse, our keys, you always have them in your pocket or, or hanging on a hook or by the front table. We don't 
we don't put things where they don't belong. I, I put things where they don't belong. I put things where they don't go anyway. I had to get ahead of that. But, but we don't put the sugar for our coffee in the garage, you know, for when we need it later. Because we know that's, that's something we use every day. We don't put things where it's not convenient. Because they become out of sight and out of mind. And we still know where they are, right? I know it's, it can be found there. It's just a little dusty, a little bit buried. But it, I can get to it if I really need it. But I want you to remember the message I, I call this the church on the shelf. And we're continuing our focus on the theme of intentionality this year. This is putting our good intentions, our, our good beliefs, our good ideas, our, our good motives into purposeful action. Not just being hearers of the word, but doers, as scripture says. So intentional isn't deliberate or purposeful, purposeful if you don't engage it regularly. Right? Consider eating. Right? We have to do it to survive. And, and there's a known amount in a variety of foods. Right? And I was going to pull up a little picture of, of the food pyramid. Remember the food pyramids? Like X number of servings of this and fewer servings of this. And maybe just one of these things. Right? And, and maybe a, in a roundabout, there's this 2,000 calorie a day diet. And, and the, the four food groups. Are there more than four now? I know we have fewer planets. Do we have more food groups? I think we do. I don't know. Andy's is not one. Go ahead and change that slide. But what if for simplicity's sake, because we're all busy these days, what if we just sat down and went ahead and knocked out our 14,000 calories and just filled a seven-gallon gas can with water because that would take care of all of our needs for the week. And we are done. Check that box. I am well-fed. And let's just do that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's a daily allotment that we need, and we need it with regularity. Because that's the way we were created. That's where we're designed. Why do we treat faith or even church like that? We'll do an hour on Sunday. Check the box. I'm off to go have lunch. See you next Sunday, right? I'm going to get my, my week's worth of God in now. Life is good, but I'll reach out to God the next time I need something, right? I'll put that up there on the shelf. But the wisdom of Proverbs 3, 5 reminds us to trust in the Lord with all your heart, Right? all your heart, all the time, and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will direct your paths. Not just in the ways once in a while, not in the ways when we need him, but all this. This is a regular exercise. And if we are to be intentional with our faith, we have to do it regularly. We have to have our faith at the ready. I keep this little glass of water up here just in case I get choked up. And it's not that heavy. The glass is probably heavier than the water, honestly. And if I were to stand here and hold it, it'd be weird and, and obnoxious. But, but at some point, I'm going to get tired of holding it, right? And if I were to do this and hold it straight out, even though it's not that heavy, if I were to do this for the entire service, at some point, I'm going to get a little tired here, okay? The thing is this. There are things that we are supposed to do with regularity, and one of them is to put things down, because even the small things get heavy with time. It, you see, faith isn't about engaging on a schedule or, or about the total amounts. It's about regular and intentional engagement. That means sometimes picking up something like a lesson or some encouragement. And, and it may mean putting something down like our worries and our fears. These little things that just kind of chip away at us. But if we hold on to them over and over again and for longer, they get heavy and distracting. 
I've tried not to make this about attendance at church. My intent is to urge everyone, including those who never miss a Sunday or a Wednesday night, to remember to intentionally gauge our faith regularly. That's what it's about. It's about our putting our faith on the shelf. But as I was preparing for this message, I continue to be reminded of the importance of gathering. There is value in what we do here. God designed us to be in relationship with others and also with him. The importance of gathering isn't just to learn and to worship, those are very valuable, but also to receive and to offer encouragement to each other, to belong, not just to ABC Church or XYZ denomination, but to the body of believers that is the church that was established by Jesus himself. That is what we belong to. George Hunter writes, he says, Indeed, many new believers report that they experience a fellowship enabled them to believe and to commit. He says, for many people, faith is about three-fourths caught and one-fourth taught. Think about that. Your faith is about three-fourths experience and about a fourth of what you hear. Later in the same book, he states this. He says, for most people, belonging comes before believing, right? If we waited till we had it all figured out, if we waited till we had our lives perfect, if we, if we waited until we had gotten all the sin and all the, the cynicism and all that doubt out of our life before we set foot in church, there would never be anyone in church and there would never be, there would not be a church. You know, people say, it's, it's, it's just hypocrites. No, well, yes, we, we say do this, but we know that we are flawed and we are a work in progress. And part of why we come alongside each other is to encourage ourselves to do that again, to try again with the right tools. And this is one of the places we get those tools. You see, there are strength in parts and there is strength in numbers. And we're familiar with the Apostle Paul's description of the body of Christ as he describes the human body. He says each part has a specific purpose and, and this part can't do that. It's not designed to do that. And this one you can't do without and nothing can replace it. And if, if you wanted to do that, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 is where it actually talks about the different parts of the body and their functions. But he also writes in his, his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians four sixteen. it says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's not just about the individual parts, but the way they're connected. So like I said, one of my classes right now is on worship, and you should know that this is more than just the music we sing on Sunday mornings. One aspect of the course is literal architecture of the worship space, and I find that fascinating to me. And as I was learning about the different building constructions over the centuries and how they're this way or that way and um, and I was moved not by where the altar is located or not by the height of the pulpit above the, you know, above the, the congregation or anything like that or, or even where the, the choir sat. I mean, these are all relevant. But what amazed me was this description of the history of lighting. And one thing I found pretty amazing was pre-electricity or at least before, you know, electricity was broadly used. There were churches where people would walk by the light of these little bronze lamps to, work, to church. They'd walk in the morning, they'd walk in the evening with these little individual bronze lamps. And when they arrived at the church, they would put in a little, you know, I was trying to picture something that they would mount on the end of the pew. Maybe like the little holders for our communion cups in the back of the row, and, and your lamp would be there. And this little light would softly illuminate the entire worship space, okay? There were, there were a soft glow of each end of the lamp was enough to light the entire service. But consider this, when someone was missing, there was a dark spot, literally. 
Okay, so practically speaking, there's a dark spot in the room, but think about what that means philosophically and theologically when there's an absence. Learning about God fills our lamp with the fuel. Engaging our faith lights that lamp, and when we see our way by it, we can light the way for others. We know the song, This Little Light of Mine, and we know the instruction. This is from Matthew 5. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As the glow of each little light did, as it was created to do, we see that there is strength in parts, and there's strength in the numbers. I remember enjoying the comics from the Sunday morning papers. I don't know if they still did. They even still have Sunday papers. I, that was like what we did was you, you pulled the comics and you flip that. One of my favorite was always Peanuts, right? The, the, the Charlie Browns. And, and I'll kind of describe this and, and read it to if you can't see it. You know, here comes Lucy Linus is sitting in front of the TV. And she says, switch channels. And he's just sitting there watching the television. She said, I said, switch channels. I want to watch my program. And he turns and says, are you kidding? What makes you think you can just walk right over here and take over? And here's, this is Lucy, of course. These five fingers, individually they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. It's a fist. And he just says, what channel do you want? And he sighs. And then he looks at his own hand and says, why can't you guys get organized like that? Flip that over. So there's, there it is. These five fingers, individually, they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this, it's not a single unit, they form a weapon that's terror to behold. Just as with the individual lamps adding light to the room, we, we can see how there is both strength and value in numbers at church and in our faith. And as we go into the world, strength in numbers as we come alongside each other. And we're a terrible thing to behold for the the devil. If we each bring whatever we need to bring with us, a a scripture, or scripture tells us to bring a song, a lesson, a revelation, but it it also encourages us to come as we are. This means that sometimes we just bring our burdens, and that's okay. Actually, it's better than okay. Let's acknowledge this for what it is, which is spiritual intelligence. If we ever swallow this stuff down, any medical professional will tell you, you swallow that stuff down, your body will remember, and you will get sore and pain and and all this stuff. Because God did not design you to swallow your emotions. You need to bring the burdens here. I mean, we go into work, and they say, leave that stuff at the door. Leave that stuff at the door. This is the one place we say, bring that and leave it up here. As parents, we worried about who would influence our children and when they were young and impressionable. There were certain things that they should hear from mom and dad because we know what they should know and we think about certain things. And, and we didn't want someone else guiding our kids' thinking or explaining something that they weren't ready to understand or, or ruin a surprise that, that, you know, that. So, and it's, it's a lot of the same ways with faith. Do you want to learn coping skills from the world Or do you want to learn coping skills from the one that designed you with a mechanism to cope with it in a healthy way? To achieve this wonderful peace that we sang about earlier. The world will certainly give you things to cope with, but little hope comes from the world itself. It comes from God and it's shared periodically 
is shared. I'm sorry, it's not shared periodically. It's shared when a person doesn't keep that hope on a shelf in case they need it someday. They have it, they're ready, right? For needs just like yours, just like mine. Think about where we keep the things that are really important to us. You know, if you take your ring off to wash your hands or do anything else, where do you put it, right? You put it in a safe place. Where do you place your treasures? You keep it close by where you can keep an eye on it. Where do you, where do you place your hope? Is your faith on you at all times or do you just have to, do you, or do you have it at the ready? Or do you just want to remember where you left it last? I want to challenge you to be intentional with your faith. This may mean something different for each one of us. Perhaps it is being honest about the worries and fears you have, right? Perhaps it's having a few verses that you're ready as you go about life this week. Maybe you have one or two that you can call on. Maybe you need to find those this week. Perhaps it's seeking out and taking advantage of opportunities to share that with someone. And perhaps it is engaging in a way such that it absolutely affects your perspective on the world around you. And that's a great one. Maybe that's what it means to take your faith off the shelf, is to just tweak your perspective on the world and what's going on in it. But whatever you, the way is that you intentionally engage your faith this week, you will make a difference and you will be blessed. That's a scriptural promise. That's not a promise from me. So I want to invite you to take that challenge this week. And we've had challenges the last couple of weeks to seek out opportunities and symbols in our life to be generous to recognize when you are in the front row of something God's doing and then to be like the disciples, to be like the shepherds at the manger, to be like the the people that Jesus healed and run away because he said, go tell people what you've seen. I'd like to close with this reminder from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. He says, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort ourselves received from God. Right? These problems, we just didn't even put the problems on the shelf because there's a purpose, not only in our lives, but there is nothing more powerful than the testimony that says, I've been there and I survived. Learn from what I learned or learn from what I wish I hadn't done. Let's make that our prayer. Just pray with me. Creator God, the creator of everything that is good and the creator of all things to be good. As we seek to live an intentional life this year, to put into practice the things that we believe, to not just be hearers of the word of doers, not just to, to put our money in the plate, but to do something with that money and make a difference in the world. To not just be observers, but to take that wonderful news and share, look what I've seen. Look what the Lord has done for this person. Lord, this week is, as we consider maybe that we are overprotective of the things we hold so dear, that they are so stored away and locked away that we're afraid to let anything touch them, get them dirty or ding them, but life doesn't work that way. Life is messy. And so that means our faith is gonna take some hits, but it is through the testing of our faith that we develop this perseverance. And you tell us to let this perseverance run its course so we are not lacking in anything in this world. Lord, where our experiences um, need to be shared for the encouragement of others, let us have that kind of boldness, that kind of confidence. 
Lord, Lord, where we just need to recognize that we've got worries and fears that we're just carrying around with us. Help us to understand and realize that you want us to put them down. Not just to leave them lay around, but to bring them to you. And say, God, I surrender this because I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what, what tomorrow's going to bring, but Lord, I trust in you. And help us to have that perspective, that wonderful peace that says, it's not my burden to carry anymore. Jesus reminds us that, that we should be yoked to him because his burden is light. And when we are yoked to him and we are going the same direction and, and alongside the same speed and everything that he is, then that is shared. That load is shared. And he says his load is light. God, there's no doubt that we're going to face challenges this week. Would you arm us with what we need to maintain our faith, to take it off our shelves and to carry it with us? Father God, above all, we thank you for who you are. The nature you revealed throughout all Bible about your loving kindness towards us to the extent that you say we are so worthy of this love that you would send your son to die for us. Let us never forget that sacrifice. And Lord, that, that we have this direct connection to you. We don't need to wait till next Sunday to, to bring our, our prayers before you. Let's pause and let's just lift them up in prayer because you delight in hearing from us. And that therapy, that blessing of, of surrendering to you, Lord, may we feel that every moment we need to. God, I thank you as always for this church's congregation, this opportunity to worship you this opportunity to get to know you a little better and the reminders of what it means to be your child, your chosen child that you have, that you have adopted purposefully and intentionally. Let us respond intentionally as well. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.